Hey, everybody. Uh, yeah, and happy birthday once again. We turn eight years old. You know, as, as CVC turns eight, I noticed, and I was looking through those pictures, I was progressing pretty rapidly into middle-agedness, as I could see it in my head. Like, wait, that's pretty odd. That's not just subtle gray hair. That's like real gray, and people are telling me that. Like, there's this old guy at our gym who said, you know, you're getting really... Oh, thanks, thanks. Gee, I really appreciate that. But anyway, it's weird. You know, some kids weren't even born, and now there's like half the church is born as, as we multiply and grow. It's pretty incredible. But anyway, happy birthday. It was so fun. Uh, didn't Ben do a great job with that song? Grant Burchard mixed that professionally. Give him a round of applause for all their hard work. That was incredible. Thank you, guys. It was so well done. I mean, amazing. I mean, it is it's one of the greatest great gifts God's given our church is just Excellence, excellence in musicianship and worship. So I appreciate that. Ben Grant team, you guys do such a fantastic job. So thank you so much. But uh, what our annual tradition is, uh, so over the years, every single year on uh, our anniversary, this is our eighth anniversary, what we like to do, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, take a fine selection of Vintage 23 and sample that. Just a little little taste, okay? It's a, it's a, it's a you know, eight verses or so, seven or eight verses, uh, maybe six, six to eight, I forget how many. But uh, in, in those pages or in those words are some of the richest truths that we've, we've uh, liked to sample and drink into our souls as uh, really, as Teresa mentioned, is really the blueprint for our church to be a Psalm 23 community for people who live along Route 23. And that's what we've been trying to do these past eight years, helping people learn how to find rest in the presence of God. Today's selection is he makes me lie down in green pastures. So let's pray, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the implications of that for us this year. So Lord, it is with gratitude and joy in our hearts that we say thank you for the rest that you invite us into. Thank you for the experience of your presence through the diversity of the people that you've brought here through the giftedness and the um, commitment and the faithfulness of those who have served so consistently and lovingly over the past eight years to create a space where we can come and experience you in your presence and find rest in your presence. And we pray that 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 legacy and what you're trying to build into us, into us as a people and as a church, would in these next eight years expand and grow and multiply many times over for your honor, for your glory, that we may see your kingdom come and will be done. God, that is our prayer, that now, right now, as we listen to your word and submit ourselves to hearing what you have to say to us, that you would multiply your kingdom in us. Help us find rest in your presence and speak to us each individually and as a community. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thanks once again to Teresa for sharing her God story a little bit uh, there, but here's the question. So as we kind of uh, dip our toe back into this theme of rest once again, or maybe our feet, or maybe jump all the way in. I want to ask you a question about yourself. Uh, just do an honest assessment, or you can look at it from someone else's perspective. Would you describe yourself, and I'll say or, would you describe yourself, or would someone who knows you well describe you as a well-rested person? Would that be a characteristic that someone would say about you in the way that you live your life? Okay, so maybe, maybe not. If not, there may be some circumstantial things happening there, right? You might have just had a baby. Uh, you could be in transition. You could be working as a police officer in Delaware County. 
Uh, you could be doing any number of things that in that season of your life, you're not able to get sleep. Uh, and that happens to all of us. When I go to Bolivia, I often arrive at 3 a.m. in the morning, and I don't get sleep during my trips. So we all have those seasons in our life. But if you dig under the surface a little bit, there are things in each of our lives that cause a restlessness of the soul that may be connected to our actual physical sleep, but keep us going and keep a restlessness bound up inside of us that it goes beyond just our capacity to sleep. For example, you might realize that there's some past wounds in your life that you just can't overcome. People who have hurt you, and it's hard to forgive. You may realize that you're like me for many years, are constantly trying to achieve or produce or to see some kind of results in your life, but you don't quite see it, and you're, you're not able to rest until you see that particular thing happen. Maybe there's certain standards that you've set for yourself or your mother or father that's set for you that you just never feel like you'll be able to live up to, and you're constantly trying and striving to achieve that. Or maybe you're looking for approval from someone, and you have a hard time saying no. Or perhaps it's just that life circumstances, no matter how hard it is, you just can't seem to uh, get rid of the chaos and things just seem so chaotic in how they, they, they end up in your life. And there, there's this restlessness that we all struggle with to some degree in one. And I know many of you have struggled with these kinds of things. It's the inner life. And Psalm 23 is not so much a physical expression, although there are physical manifestations and practical applications physically for what Psalm 23 invites us into but it really is a spiritual invitation for the inner life. It's, and that's the inner life, the inside, that affects outward who we are, is really where Jesus comes in and where only Jesus can bring restoration and bring us the rest that we want. So I want to remind you of that today. As Teresa reminded us, the invitation Jesus gives, gives he says this, come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And that's my prayer, that's my hope. That's my dream for each of us, for myself. It's the journey I've been walking and the journey that we're on together and learning how to find rest in the presence of God and not in these other things. So the question is, of course, Jesus isn't physically here. I mean, he's not bringing us to an actual green pasture. Uh, and if you've actually tried to lie down in a green pasture for any extended time, which I've tried to do in trying to follow, you know, what God's teaching me, you know, your, your clothes and like you get kind of wet and it gets kind of itchy and the bugs start crawling into your skin and it's just not really a fun experience. But Jesus offers us something even beyond that. And that's what we're going to be looking at today as we look at Psalm 23.2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And King David, who wrote this, who was a shepherd, he understood what this meant and was using it as a, as a metaphor for the kind of life, the invitation that we're all invited into every day of our lives. So I've been doing some research here and there and taking every opportunity I can, uh, little bits and pieces, reading uh, little articles here and videos there and some selections from um, real life. In fact, last year, and I never I got to share this, I don't think I did, I got to visit Ben and Lindsay Perry, who many of you know, who are part of our church, who have a sheep farm at their house. And uh, there it is. You can see the sheep in the background there. And there's Lindsay. I think Ben didn't make it up at that time when we were there. But I got to ask lots of questions and watch the sheep uh, running around. So you can see them there in this video uh, scurrying about, enjoying themselves. But as I've been studying sheep and how, what the significance is from Psalm 23, we've, I've, learned, I've learned one thing. Sheep 
they can't find rest. They can't be in a place of rest, a good shepherd will tell you, unless four specific conditions are met. So what I want to do is briefly cover those four things that sheep need, and ultimately they apply to us, in order to find rest. Okay, so that's, that's what we'll do. So here's the first thing. Sheep cannot find rest unless they are well-nourished and well-fed. So sheep need to eat properly, and they don't. They're, they just can't have a hard time being still. You know, a good shepherd, see, this is actually a picture from Jerusalem here. A good shepherd, in the context of which this is written, knows where to find the green pastures. And the green in an arid environment like Jerusalem where Israel is, they're found in these little patches between rocks and crags, and only an expert shepherd knows where to find the green for the sheep to, 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 to grow and be well-nourished. See, if a sheep went off by itself to try to find it, it would quickly die of malnourishment and would be completely restless. And so it's only in the, under the guidance of a good shepherd so that they can find green pastures. It's not all like Ben and Lindsay Perry's farm where it's green everywhere. Well, that happens, and shepherds will have times in certain seasons where sheep can graze among the green fields, and it's very easy. There are other times throughout the year as they journey up to the, the plateaus and the tablelands and all the different places uh, with the shepherd that only the shepherd knows how to find them. And so that if they don't stay close to the shepherd, they will, they'll, they'll, in fact, they'll die very quickly. And these little sprouts can be found in key places that this, the shepherd himself has gone and done a lot of work. So shepherding, what I noticed even when I was with Ben and Lindsay, it takes a lot of work, even with modern technology. And so it, the, 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 um, the health of the sheep is 100% dependent on the capacity and the intelligence and the efforts of the shepherd himself. And it's the same with us. You know, uh, Teresa was uh, alluding to this, but one thing I've heard said, and this is about 10 years ago when I first heard this, is that in today's, today's society, the biggest, uh, the biggest threat, the biggest enemy to the spiritual life is simply exhaustion. That people are absolutely exhausted today. People are too tired to engage with God, to make space for God. Too, people are too tired or exhausted to engage with his people. And I've seen that, I've seen that myself that there's, there's a sense of excessive busyness that's misplaced so that God doesn't have room or doesn't have space in someone's life because they're constantly, constantly exhausted. And, you know, some people, it's uh, their family life that keeps them engaged or over, overly uh, tired, or some people, it's their work. Other people, it's just a, a, f- a focus on, on, on a screen, whatever, whether it's social media or their entertainment. There's so many different ways that we can engage ourselves it's like a sheep trying to chase after the nourishment but not quite finding it in the right place. And so we often look for nourishment by ourselves. We think we know where the nourishment is. We think that if we just got to that, that bonus at work or, you know, if I just got my, my son or daughter just right in the right place, then I can find rest for myself. But in fact, only the good shepherds know, knows where the rest is where the rest is. And if we're constantly chasing it, it's like a sheep going after food by itself without any direction, the sheep will quickly die, be malnourished and die if, if they don't go and get close to the shepherd again. You know, I would, I would say for you, you know, if you've been uh, listening to me or you know me at, at all the past eight years, I've, I've been very open and honest that this has been the process I've been going through, the spiritual formation process that I've been learning. And one of the best things that you can do is to get away and to create that space for God where he can nourish your soul. Instead of looking for it in whatever it is that you're looking for, 
to really turn to God in a very practical and clear way. You know, Psalm 62, when David wrote this, he says, he says this, he says, my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. Let's go back to that. And so David, the good shepherd, knows where his salvation comes from. It doesn't come from his pursuit of, of glory and fame and being a king. It doesn't come from, you know, all the battles that he's won. His fame doesn't come from, you know, and, and having uh, 50 wives or however many he had. No, his salvation came from God alone. And really Psalm 23, as it points to, is the, is the gospel. This is the good news, my friends, just to remind you once again, that our salvation doesn't come from our work. It comes from the work of the good shepherd. It is the work of the good shepherd that creates a way that we can find life and nourishment. And this not only is true for our eternal salvation, but it's true in the practical day-to-day details of our life. Are we looking for salvation by ourselves? Are we pursuing uh, a hunt for something that's never really going to satisfy us? You know, And so, like Teresa, I've been very intentional. I've been trying to be intentional these, this past decade of slowing down both physically, spiritually, and emotionally in order to create space where God can nourish my soul. Taking time even in the middle of the day when I'm at my busiest peak just to pause and to pray and say, God, would you nourish me? Would you take time to to speak to me and show me who I am? Taking time every week. There was a weekly Sabbath, a day set apart to pause and to pray. And every month, even going for a, a bike ride, getting away, or going for a walk in Valley Forge Park. These are some practices that create a context where God can speak to us and nourish us. And they remind us that we're not in control of finding nourishment for ourselves, but God is. Jesus said, uh, I don't live by bread alone, but man doesn't live by bread alone, but by the very words that proceed from the mouth of God. And if we believe that, we will need to take our lives and and shape our lives in such a way that allow us to receive the good bread and the life that God wants to give to each of us. And so I would encourage you this fall to be intentional about creating space where you can rest in the presence of God, particularly so you can be nourished spiritually. And guess what? There's no one way to do that. Uh, You might experience God going for a walk uh, on the Schuylkill Valley Trail. You may experience God and rest for your soul by meditating on Psalm 23 and memorizing books of Scripture. You may find your rest in God listening to worship and bowing down in prayer and interceding for others. Whatever it is that where you connect with God and find rest, I want to remind you once again to take time this fall, particularly as things start ramping up, to find your rest in the presence of God. And while I'm at it, folks, remember to get your sleep too because sleep will impact every area of your life. In fact, the average person needs about eight and a half hours of sleep. And if so, if you're an average sleep needer, then you're going to need to get that sleep as well because that will impact your, your spiritual life. It'll impact your relationships and everything you are because we're whole people. We're not just a physical being. We're not just a spiritual spiritual being where we're just we're disembodied spirits. No, we're, we're heart, soul, mind, body, socially connected people and we need the rest of God to permeate every dimension of our soul, which is the integrating factor of all of those things. And so again, this is, we take this to remind ourselves of what God has showed us, but perhaps you've gotten a little, uh, gone astray a little bit and felt like that restlessness is starting to creep in. He makes us lie down in green pastures. Okay, so 
The second thing the sheep need is not only do they need to be well-fed, not only do they need to be well-nourished, but sheep absolutely need to be free of fear. Um, and an afraid sheep cannot rest. They're completely restless. They cannot lie down and they will not lie down. They will constantly water, wander around until they are exhausted and fall over. So in order for that to happen, the shepherd needs to create a context in their life and in the, in the herd there where every, every sheep feels safe. In fact, this is actually a very real thing. Uh, there's been reports of two dogs or two wolves that can kill a flock of 300 sheep. And if you've ever seen a sheep run, maybe in that little video, they're, they're not very fast. Sheep, can, you could probably outrun a sheep yourself. I mean, they're, they're pretty awkward, and they'll fall over, and they'll tri- they're fall into ditches. They'll just do a lot of dumb things, just like people do. So there's reason for them to be afraid. But if they're afraid, they can't lie down. And, you know, it's one thing to recognize a threat, but it's another thing to be able to actually respond in fear. And let me tell you, the past couple of years, and we saw it with the pandemic, that a lot of people have been living in fear, haven't they? You know, again, it's one thing to recognize, yes, is COVID a threat? Yes. Is a, getting in a car accident a threat to my children? Yes. Are these spiritual forces of evil coming to invade my home and want to t- tear my children away from, from God and from, from the family? Yes, those are very real threats. But then to be afraid of them is an entirely different thing. We can recognize the threat, but at the same time, if we recognize the presence of the Good Shepherd, everything changes. And so here's the bottom line, folks. For sheep and for us is the key to living without fear is your awareness of God's presence. In other words, I'll even make it even a little bit, uh, up the ante a little bit. I would say that the amount of fear that you have in your life is directly proportional, and this is what our scripture teaches us, to the level of awareness that you have and engagement with the presence of God in your own life. If you're disengaged from God's presence, if you're not nourishing your soul in God's presence consistently, daily, weekly, monthly, then the level of fear goes up. Those two things are directly tied into one another, and it is very clear as the, uh, David, the King David writes. He says, although I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. It's the presence of the shepherd in the sheep's life that changes the fear factor altogether. So if a sheep are, sheep are afraid, they won't lie down. But if you know the shepherd is close to you, and I know some of you have walked through some difficult trials this, this year, these past couple years, I have. And the only thing that has kept me uh, firm on that solid rock foundation like we saw, found about is the presence of God. And often it came, God's presence, I was reminded where the, where the shepherd was when I couldn't see him because of the presence where the other sheep were. And so sometimes when you're in a, such a desperate place, if you remain in the flock and the flock is following the good shepherd, you will remain under the care of the good shepherd even when you can't see where the shepherd is. I can tell you that from experience and I can tell you that it's the same in sheep life as it is for us. So I would encourage you, if there's two things, okay? So if we're to summarize, there's all these different practices. Uh, Teresa mentioned some things like, what does she call it? Benevolent detachment or something. Uh, But uh, contemplative prayer, all these words can just seem like weird. Let me just break it down for you. Here's, Here's two ways you can practice the presence of God in your life. Take every day, every week, just take time, number one, to pause, and two, take time to pray. If you do those two simple things, take time to pause and take time to pray with the intention of being in the presence of God, it will make all the difference 
in the world. You know, Apostle Paul wrote in four, Philippians 4, he said, you know, don't worry about things, you know, but in all things, through, through prayer and petition, make your requests known to God. And then what happens? Well, the peace of God, which goes beyond anything you can understand, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. We often get so consumed with whatever fearful thing is in front of us that we forget, hey, maybe I can just pray about that. You know, you got a financial situation that you're facing? Pray about it. Ask God specifically. You have, your, one of your kids is going through a difficult time? Pray about it. You got a difficult relationship situation at work or in your family? Pray about it. Take time to pause and to pray. And what that does is it creates space for God to actually shepherd you. Because the thing is, ladies and gentlemen, you might be a shepherd under the care, or you might be a sheep under the care of a good shepherd, but you have the freedom as, of, as a sheep to leave. You can disobey and you can reject what the shepherd says to you, and that's, that's the part we need to pay attention to. We have a role as well. If we're not following and staying close to the good shepherd, that's when bad things start, start to happen. All right, number third, number three, three out of four. What shepherds need, and this is a, one of my favorite pictures here. Third condition sheep need is they need to be free of pestilence and parasites. So this, you know what this is? This is a picture, microscopic picture of a tapeworm. Okay, we, this week we found that our dog had some worms because uh, the dog was licking some grass. So what happens is these parasites, they lay eggs in dew and on fresh vegetation. And it looks delicious. I mean, it's like this juicy, watery vegetation that the sheep just want to eat. And so, it looks so good. But what, what happens is these parasites and eggs and worms, they sit in the stagnant water. And those eggs, they, they hatch within the sheep. And then what happens is if they're not addressed, those parasites, those tapeworms, those ringworms, uh, the shepherd, the flukes, these, all these different things, they'll begin to eat the sheep from inside out. So while on the surface, they appear to be very healthy, from the inside out, these worms will wreak, wreak havoc and destruction, eventually leading to sickness and, sadly enough, sometimes to death. And so if, you, if a sheep is in this condition, they cannot sleep whatsoever. They'll be completely restless with the pain. I don't know if you've ever had stomach aches, or you've had any stomach issues. I've been to Bolivia, and it seems like every other time I go to Bolivia, I come home with some issues. So I take my little worm medicine, and it clears things up. You don't want worms, because they make you restless. Now, it, in, in the meta metaphorical sense, for us, right? Yeah, you don't want worms, okay? So worm, that's takeaway. What did you learn at church today? <laughs> I don't want to eat tapeworms. Um, you know, some people, I heard, okay, this is a little side thing, I just have to say this, it has nothing to do with it, but uh, you could, uh, you, there was, um, for a small period of time, uh, that one company was selling tapeworm gum as a uh, weight loss program thing, so if you would eat, actually, the gum, then the tapeworms would hatch, and it's like guaranteed weight loss. So, you know, there you go, there's an option for you. <laughs> Didn't work out too well. Didn't work out too well for those guys. We don't want to do that. So today, in our day and age, the parasites, the worms, are the spiritual worms and parasites. They're demonic strongholds. They're demonic influences that we each have. And Jesus wants us to free of those things. And so one of the things I've learned over this past eight years is you can be an extremely disciplined person spiritually. You can be a very passionate person. You can be an incredibly gifted person and committed person. But those people, for, for this, 
for any of us. But if, you, if there are certain spiritual oppressive spirits, there are spiritual things and strongholds that get lodged into our lives and get in our guts of who we are, they become who we are, that unless those things are addressed, we will never find rest at all. And listen, one of the key calls of our church, uh, I think Teresa had mentioned this, but is to be this spiritual hospital, a place where people can come as they are and find the little parasites and the, the worms and the bugs, the things that are pestering them, all the bugs and insects, and have them swatted away, bring them into the presence of the good shepherd who will anoint their head with oil, cover them so that all the insects can't attack, remove the tapeworms, give them the medicine that they need so they can be free and whole and finally find a place of rest. And that's, that's part of our call as a church, to be that for one another and to be that for a dying and sick world. They're sick spiritually. And they don't know where to find help. How to, where to find help and where to find hope. And that's our call and who we are, to be that spiritual hospital where those things can happen. Okay, final. Final thing that sheep need. You might be able to tell what's going on here. Um, so you've heard of uh, chickens, roosters, they have what's called a pecking order. And that's because they peck at each other to see who's boss, like king of the hill or like rooster of the hill or whatever it is. Sheep, they have a butting order. And so they just headbutt each other and butt one another until the person's, the head butter becomes the king of the sheep, the, 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 the flock there. And so sheep cannot rest if there's social friction among them and within the flock itself. And so there's, if they're constantly butting heads, and I'm speaking in the most literal sense, they can't rest because there's so much tension in the relationships. And those tensions, you can see that guy in the background there. He's like, oh, what's going on with these guys? It makes them alert, like, what's going on as well? So even though you, or um, you generically, might not have a relational conflict with someone, if someone in your flock is having a relational conflict, that affects you as well. And we see that happening all the time. I mean, as parents, you might, you might be fine. You might be great. You and your, your husband or wife getting along well, you and your kids, but if the kids are not getting along, listen, listen, you know, no one in the household is going to be happier. It's going to be very hard to find peace in that household. Or if you're your husband, you've learned uh, that the ancient adage, which is so true, happy wife, happy life. Let me tell you, that's a good one. So husbands, remember that. Nick, you just got married, remember that. Happy wife, happy life. But it's, it's true for all of our relationships. And so what we're, I won't say any more about this except to say that in October and November, we're going to actually do a deep dive into our relationships, talk about not just church relationships, but between husbands and marriages, parenting relationships, uh, relationships, friendships, all of those key relationships. Stick with us in the fall, October, November. We're going to go uh, look at what Scripture has to teach us, what Jesus has to teach us about relationships. And so I'm excited about that. And so we, there we have it, folks. You need to be well-nourished. You need to have that. You need to be free of parasites. You need to uh, be able to be free of fear and need to have those social relationships be free of friction in order to find rest. Now, um, you might be here and thinking, like, listen, I, I can relate to each of those. I am experiencing all that, and I really don't know where to go. I want to encourage you, just as Nick was saying in the announcements, there, that, that class alpha is a great place for you to start. If you want to start exploring those questions in a safe environment without judgment where you can listen to the basics of, of the Christian faith 
in a way that will be applicable to you and just in an environment that's hospitable where you can grow, I'd encourage you to, to check that out. So I want to finish with this. Okay, here's what I want to finish. I want to show you four images that reflect the four ideas uh, that happen in a sheep's life, but except for people. Okay, so we're going to do the, um, the people version of this, which I think we've got to that already, if you can make those connections. And you are very intelligent people. You've already made those. But as a pastor of the church, what I've been trying to do, so these past eight years, along with the leaders and other members of the, this community, we're trying to do is follow this blueprint of Psalm 23 in order to create a pl- place where people can come as they are, be part of the family of God, and be restored in the presence of of God. And it, what we're trying to do here is a real supernatural thing that we cannot do by ourselves. This isn't a human endeavor that we're trying to do. We're actually trying to do something impossible. We're trying to bring people who are separate from God and have these spiritual brokenness and things that no matter how many professors or counselors or therapy that you go through just won't solve the deep issues that plague people. We're trying to tackle those kind of things because we're audacious audacious enough to believe that Jesus, the good shepherd, can. And our role as people, as God's people and as a church, is to bring people into the presence of the good shepherd to discern what the shepherd is doing and then facilitate God's work in their life. That's the best we have to offer. I have nothing to offer. The leaders of this church have nothing to offer beyond what God gives us to give away to other people. And the best thing we have is the very presence of Jesus himself. So here are the four images that I believe shape the vision, that have shaped the vision and continue to do so. And maybe I'll get better pictures moving forward, but these are the best pictures I could come up with at the time I had. Okay. So first of all, kind of being well-fed, we want to be a place that where we're well-fed, but not fed to just keep eating more until we engorge ourselves. We want to be well-fed to be fit, okay? So the image I have here as we make us lie down in green pastures is the image of a fitness center, but I couldn't quite get it. I needed to have food as part of it too. So this is the best this guy drink, pretending to drink a milkshake. You can tell he's actually nothing's coming out of that thing. Uh, but it's kind of a pose. So, uh, and then who makes the fruit so stacked like in that good pyramid anyway? It's not how it works. But a place where we can be fed to be fit. And we need to be well-nourished. And Teresa mentioned discipline. Yeah, disciplines are a part of it. That's part of what, in order to be healthy sheep, you need to be a fit sheep. You can't be wandering around, uh, you know, banging into walls and not be able to uh, carry your own, your own self to the, to the food. You need to be fit in order to follow the good shepherd. And that's part of what God's called us to be, is to be this um, kind of like spiritual uh, fitness center for the soul. And I imagine people coming in who are weak, getting stronger, learning how to exercise those spiritual muscles in order to be and do the things that Jesus did. And that happens through, through you know, we talk about uh, prayer and all these spiritual disciplines, worship. Everything we do together is to help us not only nourish our souls, but to become fit as well. And so my hope and dream for this church is that as people come, they can be nourished by God's word, They can be nourished in the presence of God through our prayer ministry and our worship ministry and through everything that we do, they're nourished by God himself. And so it's not just being fed for the sake of being fed and gaining more information for ourselves to become, uh, you know, puffed up people. But no, it's, it's nourishment for fitness. So that's, that's image number one as, as we uh, try and 
carry that. Secondly, is this idea of being a spiritual hospital. Um, and there you see the picture of the ambulance, but, and that's maybe ambulance might be better because we're meant to go out and not just stay in one location. But a place where people can come as they are and be restored and really come as they are. We've had people of all kinds of walks and thinking come as they are, and it, that's what we mean, come as they are. So if that means you come as you are and we have to deal with the, the, uh, the difficulties of that, so be it. And, you know, the more messed up, the more hurt people are, the harder it is. And the more love is required and the more spiritual kingdom resources are needed. But we, that, that is our desire, that we can welcome people no matter what their background is or know how, no matter how far away they are from God or what they think about who got all the false narratives like Teresa mentioned, and then slowly be changed be restored, just like is offered in the blueprint of Psalm 23, is, is that my soul is restored in the presence of God. So there's our second image. Number, finally, or third, and um, I couldn't come up with a better image here, uh, is the image of a family. Okay, so this is our family. Uh, we want to be a family, a family. Now, this is a picture of my family, my physical family, but it's also, here's a picture of my family as well. This is also my family. And so we want to be a family that is healthy and that is growing and that is multiplying and gives birth to other to healthy children. And so when the, she- when the sheep are in healthy condition and they can rest and lie down, you know what happens? Is they, sh- they multiply. Healthy organisms, healthy uh, flocks, they grow and they multiply and they create space for other sheep to come. And that's who God's called us to be as well. And the final image, this is kind of a double image. I'll come work on the images, but I think these, these ones are pretty good. It's kind of a hospitality hub. It's where people can feel safe. And so I was going to put a picture of cheesesteaks up there, but I thought it would be a little bit cheesy, so I didn't, I didn't do that. <laughs> no, but I actually was going to do the cheese. But, um, so thank you, thank you, Grant. I appreciate your moaning and groaning. But... Uh, but those are the, the four key images. We want to be a place where people are well-fed, or nourished, they feel safe, where they can grow, they can be part of the family, and they can be restored to the people that God ultimately has created them to be. And so this is what we're trying to do. This is why Concha Hocken Vineyard exists. It's why what we do matters in light of God, for the glory of God, and for the well-being of people. And so please consider this as you, as you continue to serve. And some of you, I just want to say thank you for how you've served so faithfully over the years, so consistently, whether it's behind the scenes or in the scenes or out of the scenes or you've made scenes, made a scene. <laughs> thank you. And there's a lot more people who are out there who are lost sheep who need to be reached by the Good Shepherd. And it's our, it's our calling to participate with God in doing that.